The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Angels, we all have them. They're our unseen guides, our companions, our teachers, and they're all around us. Sometimes, they make themselves known in the most miraculous ways. Join Angel Communicator, Reiki Master, and QHHT Hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman, for stories from real people who have experienced real-life angel encounters. Thank you, and welcome back to Real Life Angel Encounters. Today, we have several stories from Killian over on the West Coast, who's got some driving stories, plus a whole lot more. Hey there, Killian. How are you doing today? Hey, Christy. Awesome. It's a beautiful day. Yay. Yes, a beautiful day, and um, thank did I you. Get for- oh, absolutely! Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, did I get that right? Are you on the West Coast? Yes, uh, yes, I'm in uh, Pacific Northwest, between Washington and Oregon. I, I bounce between Washington and Oregon. Nice. And you had a story of what happened one time when you were driving. What happened? Um. Well, that that first one was, uh, it was back in the 80s. And my cousin, I was really, I have one cousin who um, we were really, really close and we hung out a lot. Um, And she lived in the valley, in San Fernando Valley. And I lived in L.A. around, um, I think it was like Slauson. And um, so I I would go out to the valley and visit her and, and it takes almost an hour to get back, you know, from the valley to, to LA certain parts. So it was late one night. I left her, her place and I was driving along. I went a few miles to the highway and I remember getting on and I was tired and I think it was like 10 something at night. Um, but I was really tired and I, and I do remember that. And I remember driving along and after a while I was trying to focus, you know, and, and I could, um, my eyes open and I focused on taillights, you know, the taillights in front of me. Yeah. But I remember just blanking out for at one point, just everything just disappeared. Um Man. Next thing I knew, literally, I I woke up in front of my apartment building, parked, and I remember waking up and looking down at my steering wheel, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm driving. Wait a minute. I'm not parked. I'm in front of my place. How did this happen? I fell asleep, and I heard go through my head, angel drove your car home you're safe now and oh my gosh I just I've never forgotten that because it I mean it kind of made my gut twist I just you know when I think of it I was driving asleep but somebody else was driving the car wow I guarantee you it wasn't me so um yeah and that's a 45 minute drive 
and highway too, right? Isn't that highway driving? It's 405 South. Wow. That could have turned out so badly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Yes, easily. <laughs> um, but I was very, very blessed that night. And like I said, I, I, I was on the freeway, but then woke up in front of my apartment complex parked. That's amazing. Right. Vehemently. And uh, oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet you were just so surprised. Yeah, I was a little shaken up, too, though. I mean, because knowing, you know, what could have happened, I mean, it, it bothered because I was that tired. That tired. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, you know, at the point where you're looking ahead at the taillights and following the taillights, that sounds like a bad sign, honestly. It sounds it, like hypnotic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you've ever driven tired and you're trying to, refocus your brain to, to you know staying on that that path and not go off into la la land or dream um then you know it it, is, it does become a little hypnotic in a, in a sense and but then you black out and yeah that's not good at all. So, you know, if anybody is listening to this podcast right now and driving, I, I know I listen to podcasts when I'm driving all the time, and you're feeling tired, just pull over. Please save your life and save someone else's. Um, I know our guardian angels are going to help us and keep us safe, but I don't know. It seems like that seems more of a more of a backup plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just realized how tired I was. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was there was a period of time when I was teaching English as a second language in um, where was that Gardner, Kansas? And I live in Kansas City. And it was it was the, the second shift. And um, they ended English class. This was at a big plant. It was a food processing plant. I was teaching English as a second language to a bunch of native Hispanics or Spanish speakers and driving home afterward at 11 o'clock. And really fighting hard to stay awake and I know that feeling you think I just can't fall asleep um no way I really should have pulled over but there's just that sinking feeling oh my goodness I I have to stay awake so I'm so glad that you were safe (laughs) (laughs) now you had another story of a near accident uh, well, it wasn't a near accident. It was oh. an accident. Um, this was before I realized the the tangibility, I guess I might say, of my my. This is when I learned uh, that I had a guardian angel. That it really sunk in. Wow. Uh, and it was in nineteen, I think, eighty three. And I was in L.A. um, and I left my place, actually that same apartment. And I had a um, (laughs) I was actually on my way to go show pet snake to someone. I had a a water snake that I put in the boot of my my car and had a (laughs) brand new car, brand new Toyota Corolla. And so I put my snake in her tank in the back of my um my vehicle uh, she was actually in the uh, rear and driving along um the street and all of a sudden i hear no what started out is i felt someone touch me on my right shoulder as i'm driving and i'm going the speed limit about 35 and i felt a pressure on my right shoulder um, and it was, I, I definitely felt it because I instinctively turned to my right to look at my passenger seat and realized, wait a minute, there's nobody there. I'm by myself. Who was that? And, and I literally thought of the snake in the trunk of my car and think, okay, that can't happen. She's in the back of my, but who touched me? 
And so I blew it off and I kept driving. And maybe a minute later, I hear, put on your seatbelt. Now, as I mentioned, this was back in the early 80s. Okay, right. And it was before seatbelt were mandatory or before they were the law. And I didn't, you know. Right. Um, No harm, no foul, no judgment. (laughs) Hey, you know, I was one of those. It wasn't a law yet, so I didn't do it. Sure. Um, But um, anyway, so about a minute later, I hear, put on your seatbelt. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, who was that? (laughs) And I heard Um, And it wasn't very loud, but it was definitely there. And it was, it's kind of, it it was like hearing a voice in my head and it wasn't my voice and it was definitely a male's voice, but he was, he was gentle and I ignored it. Um, I kept driving. I kind of blew it off because no one was in the car with me except for my snake. And um, literally, about another minute or two later I hear again but slightly louder this time put your seatbelt a little more firm uh, and very definite and I'm thinking I'm crazy <laughs> I, I was I'm, out a little bit there what did you say I'm going crazy <laughs> because oh. I'm hearing the voice mm-hmm. and um I just, I, I, I didn't catch on. I, you know, sometimes I have my moments where it takes me a minute to catch up with myself, let alone anything else, anyone else. So, and that was me in that moment. And I ignored it. That's twice. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm a little slow sometimes, I admit it. And then uh, less than a minute later, though, I heard that voice again. And this time, loud very distinctively clear and firm and he said put on your seat belt I didn't even think about it Christy I threw my seat belt on I just said okay put it on. um less than a minute later I was coming to an intersection um and I had the light I had the green light I was going not even quite 35 miles an hour and um and I, I proceed towards this light, this intersection, but I see this car opposite my direction facing me. And he was sitting in the left turn lane so that he could go. I was going, I was bearing west and he was going to make a left turn crossing me to go north. Mm-hmm. And I had the right of way and I saw this man start to take off as I go to the intersection line and all I think is oh my god no 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 and I'm going at a good speed um I couldn't stop the last thing I remember well not the last thing but the first thing actually I remember seeing was his passenger um lift his arm up and you know it he it looked he appeared to say oh no like but he lift his arm up Mm-hmm. pardon like to brace himself or yeah. To, yeah yeah the block instinctively block I remember his arms going up wow. and they were in an older like seven something mid-sized steel car I was in a brand new fiberglass Toyota Corolla yeah and I went through the light but my car because I couldn't stop um my car flew into his and into his passenger side. Oh my gosh. Um, and I remember hitting the steering wheel. My, my body hit the steering wheel, even though I had my seatbelt on, mm-hmm. I still bounced. It was that hard of an impact and um, with no brakes on either of our, our sides. So, Wow. I, 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 my car bounced off his, and this is where, well, <laughs> my guardian angel was still working. <laughs> I distinctly remember my car smashed into his, and then it bounced off. And then I had some, I had no 
control of the wheel. It was like someone took the wheel, literally turned, turned my wheel to the right so that it turned into, it turned north into the direction they were supposed to go or they were trying to go. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing in front of me when my car was turned, there was a, um, a gas station to the right. Um, and then I didn't know what was on, across the street, but I remember seeing the gas station and a bus stop full of <gasps> I was heading towards that group of people and I I remember thinking oh my god I'm gonna hit them oh again my car took another sharp right turn and went um, straight into the driveway of the gas station and then stopped came to a dead stop I had no control my hands weren't I could I had no control of it and I realized then uh, I mean, it was, it, it happened so quickly. It was literally within a, a few seconds, but I remember all this. And, and I think I was made to remember specific things about this because it's, it's very pertinent. Um, but my car bounced off his, I missed that group of people at the um, bus stop because my heart was about to sink. I just saw myself going into these folks and then the car was turned again and stopped in the driveway. Um, I was in shock. I was stunned. I I didn't. I just sat there in the car um, in shock. And this about a minute or so later, someone comes and opens my driver door, and it's a gentleman. And he he bent down next to me, and he says, "It's okay. We saw the whole thing. It's okay. You weren't. It wasn't your fault." You're gonna be okay. That gentleman was a firefighter who ran across the street from the paramedic station. I didn't realize was there. There was a paramedic station, fire station right there across the street. They saw the whole thing. How lucky was that? And you know, and they I remember the last thing of the entire accident I remember was them slipping a backboard into my my vehicle to try to pull me out. I remember being twisted onto the backboard because they were trying to get in through the opposite side, the passenger side to get to me. And I remember getting onto it and that was it. I blacked out and I don't remember anything. I, I know nothing of that accident after that. I don't know what happened to the other driver passenger you know I pray for his passenger because my car kissed him yeah so were you injured Killian oh yeah yeah um the 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 most prominent injury I had was my chest Uh, and I remember my head um I had a little bit of a forehead uh sore forehead but my chest was um because the it was the seatbelt, and that they realized the the importance of that seatbelt. Why my guardian angel kept yelling at me? Um, mm-hmm. See, I surely one hundred and twenty thousand percent would have died in that car accident. There's no way um, I it. I know it for a fact. Oh my goodness! Car totaled. Yeah, your car was totaled. Well, it, it should have been total, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. but it was, <laughs> oh. but yeah. Wow. And the other people in the other car, were they, were they injured? I have no idea. I, I just remember my car going into his passenger side oh. because the guy, you know, held his arms up to stop my car. But I have, I, I don't, someone took care of all of that. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, like I said, I've just prayed for his passenger. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you do have a bit of an idea who may have done that. Yeah, I was informed later. Oh, my goodness. Well, somebody was really protecting you. I mean, your guardian angel was definitely working overtime there. Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah, my and- guardian angel works overtime 
<laughs> you have a lot of stories and you are definitely protected. Now, do you, do you have time for another story? Because I know um, you've got more. I, I do. <laughs> I would, because I know you've had a near-death experience, and apart from this car accident, you've had a near-death experience. That is really remarkable. Can you tell us what happened? Um, that one's kind of a long one. Uh, the short version is that um, I. Uh, I, I acquired some um, kidney stones at one point. Um, I had, it was in 2018, October. Uh, I was under some, some anxiety and, and PSD, um, some things I, uh, that happened within VA and, and yeah. military. Yeah, because you're a veteran. Yeah, twice. Thank you for <laughs> Air Force and Army. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so you were you were you had some kidney stones. You said from medication given by the. Uh, it's yeah. It was actually from stress. If I'm under instant duress, then my body creates kidney stones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had to flush those, and I went to VA to try to get help with that. And um, they ignored it. Uh, I won't get to the VA horror stories, but uh, but anyway, they ignored it. Um, and I started predicting that um, I started saying how VA was going to kill me. Oh, apparently, I said that enough into enough people, um, uh, and I. I found it later on in my medical records. VA had noted that that I predicted that they were trying to kill me. Um, wow! I went that between October and and early December of 2018. And um, anyway, I went in for surgery. Uh, I'm trying to shorten the story because there are more things that happen. But wow! But Anyway, I, I was able to get scheduled to go in for this, um, kidney stone blasting surgery. So the, the doctor was going to um, go into my right ureter and, and knock off two stones that were there. And um, apparently sometime during the surgery, and, and I found this out by chance, um, I have a habit of... <clears throat> waking up, my subconscious wakes up while I'm on anesthesia. Oh, no. And this is another weird thing that I will tell you at a, a later date. But I wow. happened to wake up this time, and I overheard, I woke up just in time to hear a conversation, and they didn't realize that I had awakened. Um, and I, it was just at the end of their surgery, and they were rolling me um, out. I guess they covering and, and going to roll me out. But I heard the nurse ask the doctor about the stent she placed in. And then I heard dead silence. <laughs> and the nurse asked the doctor again about the stent. The doctor said, um, let's not in there. And the nurse inquired as to what happened to the stent that baseball inserted into me and the doc said well it was starting to come out so I just snatched it out and and covered her and what that did because I had just come out of a a, a, a surgical procedure she she removed an item that, that was partially inserted uh, without any sterile technique without me you know, proper, without the proper method and unethical move, not to mention she didn't say anything to the staff. They had no idea until this nurse popped up and asked about it in the placement. Wow. And um, I wouldn't know this if 
Uh, my spiritual guides had not waken me up. <laughs> oh this, I would I would not know to this date that that stent wasn't in me. They they never said anything. So that's how I found out. Um, wow. But anyway, because of her actions, um, two days later, well, the next day, I I was feeling feeling a little under the weather. And Christy, I'll tell you, I, I hadn't been sick, and I don't believe in getting sick. I hadn't been sick in like fifteen years, not even a yeah. And I had a temperature, and um. I, I took some Tylenol and tried to fight it off and I was tired and, um, and, but the next day, the following day on the 13th, um, I had an appointment, um, at a veterans organization and I was really, really, I was really sick. I wasn't feeling well. I was lethargic and my temp was 102.3. Ooh. But I kept going. Um, I had a, a little service dog at the time. And he had actually saved my life a few times. Um, but that morning, he did something while we were at this organization that was totally out of the ordinary for him. And I had the feeling that it, it had to do with me. And I learned that when he did something just really weird, um, it had to do with my health. And, and it would soon follow. So um, I stammered through that morning. Um, I pretend like I wasn't feeling badly and didn't have a 103 temp. And um, by that afternoon, I, my dog and I went to my son's apartment, um, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would take a nap. My dog would not allow me to take a nap. My dog was a, um, a toy Klikai, which is... Never heard uh, of that. So a Klikai is a, a type of husky. It, it's an Alaskan husky that's been bred down to like 25 pounds with another husky. And then that Klikai, which was would have been a female for him, was mated with a uh, deerhead chihuahua. Oh. Imagine a small husky and chihuahua. He oh looked like God. a miniature wolf, but he talked. He did the husky talk. Yeah. And so that's what I did. Um, when I tried to lie down, I thought, you know, check off. I've, I've got to lie down. Mommy's tired, not feeling well. He would give me, he had these huge eyes, the chihuahua eyes, and he would stare at me. He would give me this Jedi stare, and I could redo that stare. And he didn't want me to lie down. And I thought, okay, I'll, go to, I'll take you outside to go potty. And we went outside and he kept trying to redirect towards the parking garage, but I didn't get it. Went back up and said, I'm going to lie down. And he would not let me. He started talking. He did the husky talk and he did the stairs and he started getting agitated. And then I heard the voice in my head. You need to go. You need to go. Go where? You need to go to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. And I know who that voice was. <laughs> so. Um, now, I, let me stop you there. Did you do you you said you know who that voice was? Is that because it was the same voice from your Toyota um, years before? Yes. It's the same voice. Wow. OK. Yeah. Then what happened? So we, uh, we went out the car. I finally got the message, okay, I need to go to the hospital, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. We got to the car and I drove to the end of the parking garage and then his voice again said, um, go get on the freeway and go to this other small town. I lived in another town um, um, uh, in East Washington and it's three and a half hours away. My other option was to go to VA Portland. I was told not to go to VA Portland, and I knew that I would die if I had gone to VA Portland. I know that from that. So I drove three and a half hours away. Um, another hospital in a small town. But the last, 
I would say 20 to 30 minutes of that drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty much on autopilot because I, I, I felt my body shut down. I'm very in tune with my body and <laughs> other people's bodies. <laughs> I, I'm an empath and, and I, I just very in tune with that, that kind of stuff. I'm, yeah. and I started to, and I was also a medic um, in the army for 10 years and um, started to assess myself. Um, so I, after my assessment and realized, you know, this isn't a good thing. And my guardian angel kept me going on the last half hour of that drive. He kept talking to me and then check off. Uh, my dog would, you know, do his little husky talk and then come over and, and, um, you know, I would put my hands on him and, and just have that external stimulation. Got to the hospital and. Um, I managed to make it into the ER, and um, I remember getting to the desk and telling the lady there that, or I started to tell her that I wasn't feeling well. I had a uh, 103 temp by then, and I was, <laughs> I started to throw up. <laughs> I laughed. I started to vomit. Yeah. And I laugh because I, I never throw up, but Amen. I, it's, it's one of the worst feelings in the world, but I threw up once and you know, I apologized to her. She handed me a, you know, a basin, a bag. And I threw up again when I tried to tell her and I'm starting to get annoyed with this. And then I threw up again as I tried to talk. And this time there was water and I looked at it and I kind of chuckled and I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm throwing up water. Is that possible? Wait a minute. I haven't eaten anything all day. What the heck? And, <laughs> and I, I actually kind of chuckled that off, but then I, I started to fail. And I remember ending up in the, one of the back rooms in the ER. And from then I was in the fetal position fighting massive, massive pain. So I had a raging, actually a couple of raging infections going through me because when the doctor snatched that stent out, um, it released another uh, entity that I had in me um, that have been controlled, um, and that had stemmed from stress in the military as well. But, now, when you say um, another entity, what do you mean by that? Um, well, it's it was another uh, bacteria that I had, but it was under control. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was one that a doctor told me years ago that if if I didn't have some control over my stress, that it would kill me. And that was back in 2012, so... She unleashed that, um, and I ended up going septic. So I was septic, um, and they shot me up with four medications and all that I that I remember. Uh, I remember one they hit me they, the Demerol, morphine, Tacorlac, and something else, and I broke through. All of them. The last one, I think, may have been Tacorlat, Coral, uh, uh, and I broke through it, um, and I was just in a lot of pain. Um, there was one nurse. Um, I remember I was in so much pain. I was telling her to please get this crap out of me. Just, just stop it. Stop the pain. Oh hell, I'm, I'm, you know. But I never said any like really fierce bad words, but I said crap and hell and oh damn it. And I'm, I, you know, I'm a soldier and I, I was in pain. I was dying. I was in pain. I didn't realize I was dying, but I was in ma- the, the worst pain I've been in my life. And I have a really high t- pain tolerance. Yeah. So um, I, I broke through four, four medications, but this nurse at one point, around and said you know if you're gonna talk like that you can't you know you you can't be in here and say words like that she was one of those 
And some part of my brain just kind of, <laughs> I, I, I felt the horns growing. But um, yeah, I, yeah it, it wasn't a nice thing to say to a person who was on the table in Massapain. Yeah. Especially a veteran. And there was another um, veteran in the room who, who was gracious enough, a Vietnam vet, um, to stay with. And um, so I remember a little bit later turning over, I had a break after like the second or third medication they gave me. I had like literally a two minute break um, without pain. And I turned over and I told her, you know, next time a person comes in and that type of pain, don't, don't make it a point to, you know, chastise them about their language. Yeah. You know, worse. And then the pain resumed and um, I got hit again with another couple of meds. But um, the last one that they gave me, I remember being in so much pain. I, I didn't, I couldn't think straight. And then all of a sudden I was floating. You, I'm sorry, I, cut out. You were what now? Floating. Oh yeah. So I, I went from being in massive pain to absolutely, completely pain-free. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. And it's hard to relay this, this feeling, this sentiment. Yeah. Uh, unless you've, I guess, had that experience. I've heard other NDEers ex explain this, describe it, and I feel exactly what they're saying. Um, but I was floating in this dark tunnel. At first, I called it a tunnel. It, it felt like that, but it was so wide and vast. Um, and it was pitch black, pitch black. Um, I couldn't see anything, but I could feel everything. I felt love, 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 love. I mean, if I could just scream how love actually feels on the other side, and hug a person and transfer that, um, you'd be ready to go. Because it, it, the love there is so penetrating and pure. And I felt like an infant. You know, if you look at a, a new baby and their, their mom is holding them and they've got this little contented smirk on their face and they just look completely at ease. Yeah. And that's how I, I can relate to that feeling. And that's how it felt. Wow. Uh, I don't remember seeing my body. I, I didn't even take note of it because I felt so good. I was feeling people and I was, I heard a voice. Uh, and there's, there was this presence on my right. And that voice said, you can stay here if you want, Peppy. And I kind of blew it off. I knew I actually it registered who it was, but it didn't register why at that moment. And I just took it in and and I kept floating. I was enjoying that. Um, I started to get other feel other thoughts. Um, and then I started to feel other spirits, other souls. And one of those was my dad. Oh my gosh. In 1987. Yeah. And then I saw immediately after that, I saw this pinpoint light, the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a true thing. There, there is a hundred percent truth to that cliche, that statement. Oh. I saw the light. Wow. At the end of that tunnel. And, but that's what woke me up. Um, I realized, wait a minute. I heard, I heard Mark. Wait, my dad. Um, the fact that I saw my, that I was feeling my dad and then I saw that light, you immediately know what that light is. There's no question, no question. I saw the light and I could start to feel this sensation from it. And it woke me up and made me realize, I can't tell you what was going through my, well, I can, but I thought, oh, Oh, hell no. Oh, my God, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. And I remember just saying, no, 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 no. 
and I was scrambling back. I still have this image of my soul and this boy scrambling back into a corner like a rat does trying to get away from danger. I was that rat scrambling back and I was saying, no, 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 please. Um, I don't want to die. I'm dying. I don't want to die. Please don't make me die. Please don't. Please don't. Can't now. Um, and then immediately, and, and you don't have to say anything, but I, I turned down my, that, that invi- invitation to stay. Yeah. Um, and I realized who that person was, and it was, um, a cousin of mine, Margaret. And as soon as I, I turned her down. Wow. Uh, and I felt guilt, but as soon as I felt guilt, there was this forgiveness that just blanketed me and you feel the forgiveness. It's not like somebody saying it's okay. I'm, you know, it's all right this time. I forgive you. No, you feel it. And it's like this toga, this blanket, you know those anxiety blankets they wrap around you. Yeah. 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 Weighted blankets. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's what I relate it to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but she forgave me, not, you know, for, for turning her down. But at the same time, um, I recognized there was a soul next on my left. Margaret was on my right, and there was another soul on my left. And that was definitely my guardian angel. <gasps> uh, it was Robert. And, and I asked a few years ago... Um, what my guardian angel's name was, and I was told Robert. For right. split second, I started to question, and I was told, "Don't question, you asked." So, <laughs> and I've had proof, proof, proof beyond proof of of that fact. So, oh my goodness! I'm, and you said someone called you Peppy. Is that a nickname? Yeah. Yes, um, that is actually my nickname. Um, there was a long story behind my nickname, but that's what my family. Um, called me it was Peppy and um, when I you know I I I told her I'm sorry I can't I can't stay and then I immediately begged my guardian angel to uh, allow me to stay and wow I I felt God present um the almighty was there but um I, I didn't feel worthy enough to address him personally, him, her. Uh, that I, I didn't. I didn't feel worthy to address them directly. And thank God, my guardian angel was there, and that's why, because I addressed him and I begged him, please, please ask them to let me stay. Please let me stay because I needed to raise. Um, I needed to stay for my granddaughter. I was. She was four at the time, and I was raising her. Wow. And um, I begged them to let me stay for Riley. And I said, I will do, I, I, I will do anything that I can to help as many people as I can in the way you see fit. Cause I knew it also had, I just felt it had to go beyond my granddaughter. And I, I, I wanted to present them with something that I liked doing and that, um, and so I, said that I would help as many people as I can in the way you see fit if you would just let me go back. Please let me go back. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay. And next thing I knew, I was slammed back into that wretched body on the ER table. And But before I completely was back in my body, it, it seemed like it was simultaneously. I could see... Uh, I mean, you can imagine at this point, I wasn't focused on anything or anybody. It's just, I was dying. I was trying to get back here. But I remember distinctly a male nurse. Uh, and I, I think he may have been the lead nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember him saying, he, he looked at me and I could feel his, his stress behind you know, them trying to, uh, like trying to work on you. Yeah. And he said, you know, we have to admit her. 
Um, that's all I remember. And it was shortly before midnight on 13 December wow. 2018. Now, um, Margaret, my cousin who was there, um, I didn't question why she was sent. I already know why she was the person sent rather than my dad or anyone else. Um, but Margaret, she was also a nurse um, and she worked in LA at a hospital. And Margaret died of sepsis on 13 December, 2004, 14 years, exactly to the date, 14 oh where I did from the same thing. And that, um, um, I mean, that, I mean, who else would they send to greet me on my passing, you know, and I'm coming home other than Margaret? Wow. Um, Cause she could wait. And she actually sent me back with um, a message for my, for another cousin of ours. Oh my goodness. Uh, but, yeah. Wow. I, I came away with some downloads and information. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I knew for absolutely sure that they answered while I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, that there's no religion on the other side. Religion, the concept okay. of religion is completely man-driven. But spirituality, the spirit never dies. We don't die. Right. Our size, but I, I, I guess if I had stayed, I could have gone somewhere else or done something else, and um, I could have stayed there and hung out with my cousin and my sis and my dad and my aunt and everybody else. But um, the spirit never dies, so I'm I'm comfortable knowing that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you tend to leave a part of yourself over there, and really. Oh yeah, and I know I did because uh, it's your spirit. It's a, it's it's energy, sure. uh, energy, and and if it's got the right connections, it's gonna stick. It's gonna stay. But I was back knowing that um, religion is just man-made, and that was an answer that I actually personally needed. They knew that I I needed that for for my mission. Sure. It's something I believe, too, but it's so good to hear some confirmation. Oh, yeah. I, I got that perhaps sure. Um, and, mm -hmm. Go ahead. And you know, Killian, when you were telling me the story of coming back, when you were, when you were just addressing that part, I got this overwhelming feeling of gratitude and love for you that I was tapping into and they wanted to let you know that they are so grateful for the work that you've done here on earth and that you have helped so many. Now, were you actually a, a battlefield medic as well? No, I was mostly um, in the army. I was clinic, did some field uh, assignments too. Mm -hmm. And so I got a chance to, I actually, um, I had a huge, the huge blessing opportunity to, to, um, work with the, um, I don't know, victims of, of Katrina. Mm -hmm. I was down south at the time. They, yeah, Hurricane Katrina. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying that you've actually you actually saved some lives, and they are very grateful for that. And there was a tremendous amount of gratitude. And it's like, whatever you would want to do, we are more than happy to accommodate that because you've been of such tremendous service. And yeah, I found out that I, I that actually did happen. I got a call from a soldier. Uh, saying that I had saved his life and um, actually his entire family. Wow. And then, um, there were others that I've been told about, but I'm literally, literally living a death vow. My life past three years is a literal death vow. 
Um, I have no choice but to help people. I gravitate towards any and everybody, and, and I just, that's where my heart and soul are. Um, what does this mean, a death vow? I was dying, and I swore that I would help as many people as I possibly can in any way they saw fit. Um, in order to stay here on this side. Yeah. I had a feeling that's what she meant. And, and I can't break that. <laughs> no. That's not a promise you, you break, you know? No, you do not take that lightly. And you've certainly f- been fulfilling it. What an amazing story. How do you think your how do you think your life has changed since then, Killian? When I am the first year or two, I felt literally like I was starting over. I felt like a baby mentally and emotionally. Hmm. Uh, Well, emotionally, I was a wimp. I I used to cry at the drop of a hat. And where I ended up where Robert ended will put me um in another small town i'm i'm a little reluctant to mention town no yeah don't 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 Uh, but i was in another i was put right after my nde i um ended up in another little town with my granddaughter um in a program for veterans and that being in that town whipped the emptiness out of me. I, I don't cry at the drop of a hat anymore, uh, but it took a few years. Um, a lot of my stubbornness, I've been learning to squish a lot of my stubbornness. I always feel like I have to prove something to somebody because uh, pretty much my entire life, I've never really been taken at my word. Um, uh, I've always had to prove something. Yeah. So and if I didn't prove it then and, and I've had to fight um to prove everything, literally. So mm-hmm. uh, Wow. Um we've certainly had some remarkable experiences and it to me there is just no doubt that you were really destined to overcome those things and and stay here because of a very strong purpose you know um it's it's clear that you were being spared and saved and and kept around to continue that purpose and i know it's hard sometimes you know especially when you have to feel like you're proving yourself all the time and you've been through a lot with the military and everything and again thank you for your service and keeping us safe i know it's tough and I'm just, I just, I'm so grateful that you've had Robert and your other angels. Now, what, what do you know of, of Robert, by the way? Um, I asked at one point for an image of what he would look like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got that. And in short, um, Irish scent, kind of a strawberry blonde. Strawberry blonde type guy. Um, very patient. Very, 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 very extremely patient. <laughs> hey, that helps. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I believe there's a singer named Killian as well, who is also strawberry blonde. I've I've not listened. Sorry. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is. Killian Huff is his name. Isn't that funny? And he I think he's strawberry blonde. Am I am I correct? I think so. I think so. That's too funny. So, oh my god. <laughs> I, I never thought about that. Thanks for turning that page, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> Just filling in the holes there, filling in the line. That's an eerie uh, irony. Yeah, that is an irony. Yeah, it is. What was that? Um, Oh, I'm sorry. One of us clicked out now. Um, Mm -hmm. 
one thing you, you asked what, what changed other than growing and, and going through stages. I felt like I, I started at infancy and, and the first year I felt like a toddler and was relearning things. And I, I, I came back. Um, I'm already connected to trees, but I feel trees. I can feel the sentiment in, in trees. I could see, I can hear music in plants. Uh, I've heard, at first I thought I was going nuts, but I, I would hear choir singing. What? It just spontaneous choir singing. It sounded like angels, but the weirdest thing, and there are times I was around like a church and one time I, I heard it so prominently and I followed it from the schoolyard and just, I thought, let me go check and see if it's coming from this church. And it wasn't, but they were singing like different melodies, but they were all still in sync and it was beautiful. So I just stood there on the sidewalk and listened. And this has happened quite a few times since my NDE. I hear some people say they're angels singing. I've heard other people mention that too, but you know, for what it's worth, yeah, because I hear them and there's not humans around. It's just around. Wow. Now, have you, pardon me? Oh, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh now, I don't know if you have um, heard Eben Alexander or read his book. Also, no. yeah, near death experiencer. He was a complete skeptic and uh, he was a. Uh, I want to say a neuroscientist. He was a neuro, or a neurosurgeon. I want to say he was a neurosurgeon and had this NDE and he was um, expected to be brain dead afterward. He um, was not expected to make a full recovery, but he did. And during his NDE, he heard this celestial music and he has dedicated the rest of his life. He, he retired from medicine shortly thereafter that so that he could dedicate his life to teaching about NDEs and the experience of love that is on the other side and to try to replicate this music because it's amazing music, he says. So beautiful. And um, before we started recording, I was telling you about David Ditchfield, who was on my other podcast, the Radiate Wellness Podcast. And after his NDE, he was able to write a symphony, and this was music that he kept hearing, and then he wrote it out. And I think he's written another symphony after that. And this is someone who had never written a symphony. He said that he was in a punk band, and he knew three chords on the guitar, and that was it. <laughs> he wrote this symphony. That's awesome. <laughs> just because he had this music that he heard that we just kept playing inside of him. He's like, oh, my gosh, I, I, I have to get this out, right? So, um, you know, the story of the, the beautiful, beautiful music is, is, I don't know if it's that common, but it's not unheard of with experiencers. That's wonderful. It's, it's amazing, you know, and, and trees. I feel, all right, you know, when you yawn, mm -hmm. you know, you just open your mouth, yawn, bring in air. I now feel the yawn. I, like, I can feel the oxygen literally go up my spine and travel through my body. And when I first yawned after coming back, the sensation kind of threw me off because I'm feeling everything inside my body. I'm feeling myself kind of track up my spine and through my veins. So I literally feel that intake. Um, wow. Premonitions were, were a lot more frequent too. Premonitions. Yeah, I actually had premonitions. I've, I've off and on, I, I've, I've had them for decades. Uh, oh my and very actively. Uh, and then my encounters with souls on the other side, um, that became a lot more frequent afterwards, too. Uh, I, I ended up predicting a lot of things that are very uncomfortable. My, my predictions are never good things. They're always warnings, always warnings. Ooh, really? Ooh, yeah. yeah, but still helpful. That's helpful. They have been. Um, there are times they, they have been. 
uh, surprisingly, actually. But that became um, a lot prominent afterwards. So sure, right? Um, you certainly got some amazing stories. Like, and I know you've got a lot more too. I would love to have you back on to tell more of your stories if you'd be open to that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I, I appreciate you giving me a chance to actually vent some of this because I, some of this has been decades. I mean, I, a long time I have never been able to say anything. And then, oh. yeah. This, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it just, it blows me away. I, I'm still trying to figure out me. Um, and it, it baffles me sometimes, some of the things that I've experienced and I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, I'm not normal. Well, I don't think I want to be normal. What is normal? But I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> freak of nature. I, I call myself a freak of nature, a fawn. <laughs> um, yes, there are fawns out there. Lots of nature. And I wouldn't have you any other way, Killian, honestly. <laughs> That's an amazing way to be. You know, I will add just one more thing. You talked about this feeling of love, of depth, of love. I tell you that that feeling like when you were telling about how you came back and how you just were so lovingly guided and they sent me a feeling of gratitude to express to you, that was amazing, amazing feeling of gratitude that's there for you. But I would also say that in many of my um, quantum healing hypnosis technique sessions, the clients get to to be with their higher self and talk to their higher self and i will often just ask their higher self can you just give this person now the feeling of like the love that you have for this person and let them let them experience that and that alone people just say is life changing that they just never realize the depth and the just the electric feel of it, the, the total acceptance, the total love, the total gratitude, forgiveness, all of that. They had no idea that any of that was even possible. So I really appreciate you telling this, your, your story of how you just felt that heavenly divine love. It's beautiful. Yeah, you can't shake it. Once it reaches out, touches you, you, you can't shake it. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> it, keeps me, it keeps me tethered here. Yeah, it. Uh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, thank you so much for telling your story and being so open and getting in touch. And if anybody is listening to this, please reach out with your own story, just like Killian did. I got an email just saying, "Hey, I've got this story. Would you, you know, are you interested in it?" I said, "Absolutely." And I think. Didn't I email you the same day to said, let's, let's get this set up in the next day or two. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. So if anybody's listening to this, please email me at angel encounters podcast at gmail.com and tell me your own story so we can share it with many other people who are uplifted, who are encouraged and who are given hope by knowing that they've got a spiritual team who's always with them and loves them to the ends of the earth and back. Thank you so much, Killian. I definitely will. um, will, Let's set up another time to have you come back and talk about more of your experiences. Thank you. A special thank you to James Wheeler for the original music and Cassandra Harold for the voiceovers. Please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening now. And be sure to tell your friends. The more people know about this podcast, the more great story submissions we get. Submit your own real-life angel encounters to angelencounterspodcast at gmail.com. Want to know what your angels and loved ones have to tell you? Schedule an appointment with Christy at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.
Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.